0: oprah i'm gonna dive right into this one with our guest as we continue the alphabet tour and get closer and closer to the end of it all we're into the s's with saginaw and i just want to start with where this guy just came from if he remembers because he let me know that he's just back from smashville nash vegas and i'll tell you what joey batano voice of the saginaw spirit one doesn't go to nashville and come back the same person (laughs) (laughs) i had a good time
1: i had a good time it's good to see you guys good to talk to you guys again i had a great time in nashville me and my girlfriend went down there and uh there's a lot to do a lot of food to eat a lot of drinks to drink uh a lot of things to do man like we were down there a week and and we we got in just about a little bit of everything uh they got a triple a baseball team down there so went and saw the uh, baseball team uh just had a really good time we, we went and saw the grand old opry and did the tour there so there's a lot of things to do there actually more than than i thought going in I, I thought you know we'd spend most of our time on broadway at the bars and and though we did spend a decent amount of time down there uh not as much as as we thought we were going to.
2: Did you make it to the tin roof?
1: Oh, we, we did. We, we uh, got a little busy down there, if you could uh, expect. and We didn't fight the crowds too much. Uh, we did a little bit of this, a little bit of that, had some fun, had some drinks. Didn't really, uh, didn't have like a bucket list because it was our first time going. Uh, so we just kind of wanted to take it all in. And I think, you know, next time we go, we'll have a, a little bit better idea what what to get into.
0: That's the thing about Nashville, right? Because I, I was the same way. I kind of just ended up there. One time I was there for a football game and didn't really think about anything else. And then having been, I'm like, okay, so next time you go, you're going to plan this, this or that. Because like you said, there's so much. But Broadway itself, I think you could spend several days just taking it all in.
1: Yeah, at Broadway, you could, get, you could get lost in the crowd and spend the whole day down there. Absolutely. Was, uh, we went down there on a, on a Sunday the first time. And, uh, it was, it was just, uh, we, I, I don't do the crowds that way. It's I've lived in small towns too long over the last few years of my life that, uh, I don't do those big crowds the way I used to. So we, we went back, uh, a little bit later on in the week during the week when it was a little quieter on Broadway.
2: I'm sure Nashville has just as much entertainment as Saginaw does during an <laughs> OHL season. <laughs> I pause for laughter. Uh, what's, go, what's, what's going on in Saginaw, Joey?
1: Well, quite a bit. You know, as, as most OHL teams have experienced over the pandemic is a pretty big roster shakeup, up um, And, you know, some uh, some turnover within, you know, internally also. Um, so quite a bit's different. You know, we've, we, we went into the pandemic as, I believe, maybe the second oldest team in the OHL. It was pretty close. Um, And now we're going to be one of the younger teams in the OHL when we come back. So it's, it's tough. I mean, you look at the spirits roster, 1920 season, and it's easy to argue that, that they would have been a championship contending team. And even last season, 2021, even if, you know, we lose 1920, but even if we get on the ice at some point last year, uh, again, that's a competitive team not to say this year's team won't be competitive. It'll just be a younger core that has a little bit less experience. So as the years go on, you, you start to lose that experience, especially with the guys who haven't been on the ice. So I think just like any other team, I'm sure like a bunch of guys have said it, the biggest challenge this year is is the unknown. There's It's been so long since guys have been on the ice. You, you don't really know what you're getting here uh, in this 21, 22 season. And I think, that's what kind of makes it exciting, too, going into it, is that on, on opening night, I, I think everyone feels like they have a shot.
0: You go back to 1920, and you're right. Easy to make the argument that that Saginaw team was a championship team. And Chris and I had this conversation before we linked up with you today, because we've looked at the East and thought, we, we've kind of debated. Ottawa. Or Oshawa, who is the most disappointed? Ottawa, obviously, the year it all shut down. And then Oshawa, they make the deal for Tomasino, expecting Memorial Cup the following year. And that naturally doesn't happen. On the Western side, Joey, it, it's hard to argue with any team being as disappointed, perhaps, as the Saginaw Spirit, having fallen short the year prior. And then, as you mentioned, easy argument for Championship Team 1920.
1: Yeah, Mike, you, you you nailed it because it, it really goes back to the eighteen nineteen season with that Western Conference Final team and really having that series three one with two of the next three games at home and not being able to close it out. Um, certainly, the injuries piled up. Certainly, the suspensions uh, played a factor in that, I would think. Um, but then again, Guelph, you know, they went on to win the championship, so you have to give them credit. Uh, but I thought the next year, 1920, like the team really recognized what it took to be a winner. I thought the team was built a little bit better for the playoffs in 1920 than, than maybe they were in 1819. It just seemed like it was a little bit more of a, a a team that would have success in the playoffs. They're a little heavier, um, like guys like DJ King, did little additions like that. Jake Goldowski being a little bit more physical than he was the year before. Uh, Danny Caddick taking on a bigger role like they had a a lot more depth, I thought, in 1920 than than maybe they did in 1819, where, uh, you know, specifically on nights when it wasn't Perfetti, McLeod and Tippett, the scoring dried up a little bit there in the playoffs. Um, I just thought it was a deeper group. It was a more it was a more playoff ready group. And it's just too bad because they were really firing on all cylinders there uh, late February, <laughs> early March and right at the shutdown I mean right at the shutdown Perfetti was hot I think he had points in like eight straight or something like that like he was firing and and everybody was playing well Lennox had come back strong after having a a slow start so it was it was all set up for for Saginaw to have another deep run in 1920 and and then obviously when that doesn't work out you're thinking okay well we, we still have a group here in 2021 that can you know compete again we're going to be a little younger we're going to lose Bodie we're going to lose a couple of guys but you know we still got our core and then that season doesn't work out at all and now now you're at the point where you're 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 hoping for Cole Perfetti and and even that I mean if he makes the Winnipeg Jets which I think everybody fully expects him to make the Winnipeg Jets this year then then it's it's almost a full turnaround
2: roster wise you know I was looking at the potential overagers, and you mentioned Perfetti. That was giving me my question whether you thought he'd be back. Clearly, you don't, um, along with many people. But you look at those overagers that are possible this year with, you know, Suzuki, Porco, uh, Milman, Aber, and Duhart. Suzuki and Porco, Millman all have NHL. Um, they're all O ones Am I right, Joey? I well, think
1: Porco, so. Porco got tra- Porco's on Barry.
2: Oh, that's right. They they they, he, yeah. they traded him. He was still on the roster yeah. when I looked. My apology. But there's still a couple guys with NHL tie-ins yeah. there, with like Suzuki and Millman. Sure. Is the is the organization hoping to get those guys back, or?
1: Well, sh- yeah, sure. You always hope. Like, I mean, I, I obviously I hope Cole Perfetti plays for the Saginaw Spirit this year. <laughs>
3: uh, you
1: know, <laughs> I think we all do. I think you know if if he does, then, you know, we could have our first 150 point player since Corey lock. You know, I mean, that's honestly where the, that's the kind of damage this kid could do in the OHL this year. Um, but you know, I, again, I, that's just me personally. Like I fully expect him to make the Winnipeg jets, but if he doesn't, that would be a, a, a huge addition to this hockey team. I mean, that that's an addition that equals wins for this team, like individually. Um, but yeah like guys like Millman Suzuki you know these were all guys that had AHL experience last year so even though the OHL didn't play these guys played whether it was Millman for Lehigh Valley Suzuki for Chicago in the American League you know for these guys and some of them had a bigger role than others right but but for a couple of these guys like the OHL could be a step back for them and if there's if there's you know, potential for them. And as always there is for them to play in the American hockey league, then there's a chance that those guys would, would stay in the American league. And again, I mean, this is a development league, so you're obviously happy that, that those guys do, you know, stick in pro. Um, It's just an unfortunate circumstance for our league individually, because we didn't play. Um, So many teams have lost their core top to bottom.
0: Yeah. You talked about the internal turnover but one thing that remains consistent and I think speaks volumes about the the duo themselves and, and what they've meant to the organization are the extensions of Dave Drinkle and and, and Chris Lazary and I think these guys together have demonstrated to Saginaw and and its fans what can happen with a junior hockey team in the right hands.
1: Yeah, Mike. I mean I I think for a long time You know, our our fans—they were getting a little impatient with the idea of, uh, you know, every year trading our best players at the trade deadline. Um, I think I think they understand now that that sometimes that's a necessary evil when it comes to building a team. Um, The problem is, is that they never saw the fruits of that uh, come to life, right? So, and and there were some teams, like you know, there was the division winner in 2011, Uh, unfortunately you know, didn't make it past the second round. There's been some other teams that have had success. I know you guys have had Greg Brady on, you know, he was here when this team had success really for the first time, but again, it was a quick exit in the playoffs. So it it just, it's never really lived up to the expectation when they have had that roster, excuse me, sorry, I got a little Nashville flu here. And, uh, and so when, when situations like this come about, Finally, 2019, that was that first year after 15, 16, when we had to make the Dylan Sadaway trade, 16, 17, when we had to trade Mitchell Stevens, um, 17, 18, I don't believe we made any subtractions, but I don't believe we added either at the deadline. I think we're the youngest team in the league that year. And then 18, 19, we, we added the whole way. Um, And so that's, that's kind of how it works. And and we've seen it, you guys have seen it in Kitchener. It's happened in London and Windsor and all those other teams that have loaded up for Memorial cup runs. I mean, that's the way it, it happens, but you know, it's a cyclical league and, and, you know, there's an, there's another side to that. And it'll be interesting to see how this year goes for Saginaw. I think a lot of, like, I don't think the trade deadline will be as active this year as it's been in years past, because I think teams are going to be waiting around to see, you know, first of all, am I really as good as I thought I was in October? And then on the on the other side of it, you know, am I really as bad as I was in October? Whether I had players in, at NHL camps or whatever it may be, you know, maybe we're still in this thing. Maybe maybe a six-place finish doesn't mean a first-round exit for us this year. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of that this year where in our league we, we really don't see, you know, the bottom seed win too many first-round series. I think this is a year where we could see that. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that, but I, it, it's just a wide open. To me, it's it's never been more wide open.
2: I think the biggest thing when you look at the league as a whole is I, I'm picturing two different seasons, really, before Christmas and after Christmas, because you see a yeah. lot of rookies when they come into the league. Before Christmas, they're still trying to find their feet. They're trying to figure it out, the, the pace of play and everything. And then when they come back from Christmas, they turn into a different player for whatever reason and I know Don Cameron used to say it's because they go home, they see that their family's there, their friends are still there, everything's still the same, and they kind of get, like, that hero's welcome, right? Like, you're the big shot playing in the O, going back to Palmerston, Ontario, or wherever, you know. Um, And I think that that second half of the year is really going to be a completely different season than what we see at the start. That's my take.
1: Yeah, it usually is, right? I mean, that second half is is – it, everything ratchets up a little bit, that hockey in January in the OHL. I mean, that's what it's all about. Like once, once Christmas break is over and that's when we get back, I mean, that's when you really see some pretty good hockey games there toward the end of the year and into the playoffs. And you're right, Popper, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this year because of that, because I just feel like it's, it's, it's more wide open. And, um, you know, every year it seems we hand pick. A few teams that have a legitimate shot, and if anyone's doing that this year, I think they're guessing because that's really the best you can do right now.
0: Well, okay, but because Joey, I am a hundred percent with you. But then let's just say, okay, so London and right—that's how this works.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's usually how it goes, right? But you got to give those guys credit. I mean, they—we say that a lot, but but. Dale and and Mark and all those guys. I mean, they earned that. You know, they've earned that over the years to to be in that rarefied air for sure. So, in all fairness, I do think it's a little bit more wide open. But I'm sure the Knights will find a way to be at or near the top
2: when it's all said and done. They usually do. Uh, I got to ask, how often, Joey, do you see the New York Islanders scouts at Saginaw Spirit games? Because I think last check there was I don't know seven players drafted to the Islanders or something ridiculous. It's the pipeline seriously yeah. there's got to be a connection there somewhere uh
1: there's no connection as far as i know but i we do see dennis maxwell quite a bit uh <laughs> matt max is the amateur scout and uh we see him a ton at the spirit games and i i know him from past junior experiences a little bit and i know he had a long career in the ohl and had a fight with ed Jovanoski. that's on uh, that's on youtube that's pretty classic, but. Uh, we see him a lot, and uh, I, I, I hope they're happy. Clearly, you know, Lou's happy with with, uh, with the players that, that we've given the Islanders or they wouldn't keep going here, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's great to see. Uh, it's great to see it continue with, with Tristan Lennox. Um, you know, the player that really stands out to me with with the connection with Lou Amarillo is Kolkowski, because not only did the Islanders draft him a year after in the seventh round, but Lou also invited him to Toronto Maple Leafs camp as a free agent um, the year he, his draft year when he didn't get drafted. So there's been a connection between him and Lou Lamoriello even before the Islanders. So it, it's just, uh, I, I'm not sure if it's the systems, if it's the way we play, um, but there certainly is an undeniable connection there. And, and I, I'm hoping for success for all those guys that, every single one of those guys are, are, are really good guys on and off the ice. And, and I hope they, uh, I hope they have great success at the next level. And some of them are going to be at the next level here coming up. So good for them.
0: Uh, On this end with me and Popper, Joey, we get it. And I'm sure you do too. When the league put together its schedule for this season, the way that it has, but just to be brutally honest, it's just, The three boys here talking in the summertime before the season starts. I'm not sure how thrilled we are about 10 times with Owen Sound, 10 times with Guelph, 10 times with London. Is it 12 with Guelph? It might be 12 with Guelph. I don't know. I can tell you how
2: thrilled I am about going to London five times, but we don't have enough time on this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How does the uh, schedule shake down for the Saginaw spirit from where you sit, Joey?
2: Well, I'm happy about 12
1: with Flint. I think that's good for our I think that's good for our fan base I think it's good for both fan bases you know I, I don't think it's not ideal that these two teams haven't played each other in the playoffs yet you know I, I think by six years in I, I think everybody thought that these teams would at least meet once in the playoffs they seem to be on a pretty close trage- uh, excuse me trajectory back in 2015 it seemed like both teams were on schedule at the same time uh, it's a possibility that you might have seen it in the 2020 playoffs, I believe Flint would have played Windsor in the first round and then then Saginaw in the second round if that would have worked out. But, um, you know, I, we haven't played each other in the playoffs yet. So there is a rivalry there, but it hasn't gone to that next level yet. And I think even though they are regular season games, I think you don't have a choice. When you play a team 12 times, six 6-6, and six, um, it's going to get heated. And it got a little heated there in the 1920 season with both teams in the mix for the for the division title it it, the games had a little more snarl to them it meant a little more in in both cities um but you're i think you're really going to see it now Uh, 12 times against flint and and erie you know that's the one i'm a little mild about you know 12 times against erie i'm not sure that there could be that rivalry there but i guess we'll see you know i anything can happen right you you don't know until you get on the ice so that that if I had to choose one of our 12 game matchups I'd say I'm a little more mild about Erie than I am Flint
2: with the OHL being the only CHL league without play last year and there was plenty of leagues in the United States where obviously you're based that were playing hockey is there any worry that fans might be hesitant to come back to the OHL game I don't think so I I I mean our
1: fans have Good. been ready to, uh, yeah I, <laughs> our our fans have been ready to come back since you know I guess it was November of 2020 when they lifted the the restrictions on or no I guess it wasn't that was when fans were allowed back here in Michigan but um sometime in early 2021 when they when they lifted the bans completely our fans have been ready and they're and they're ready to come back and the uh, like we've had a lot of positive uh, energy from our fans during the off season and when it comes to ticket renewals and fans following up on their you know season tickets from the nineteen 1920 season and um, you know we we have had maybe not even a handful of people cancel their season tickets so it's it's great to see our our you know our fans are extremely loyal you know you guys have been in our building. Well, you guys have been in our building when there's not a lot of people in it, and you guys have been in our building when it's packed. And so it's, uh, it, it's a great atmosphere. Our fans care a great deal about this organization. It, that's honestly the hardest part. The, the toughest pill to swallow for, for myself personally through all this is that I really feel like we had a chance to win for our city in 1920, and then even again last year, if we got a got a chance to play, and they just deserve it so much because the fans have supported this organization through thick and thin for for quite a long time, 18 years, and it's great ownership here and great management here, and they just it, it needs to happen. This the city deserves a winner, and it's just it's too bad because it feels like. I I don't want to see the window of opportunity is closed because it's, it's still wide open. It's just a different core and it, it won't be the same group that would have been, you know what I mean? Like would have been the champions before. So it's different. It's too bad. I, I just, I feel really bad for our fan base, but I know, I know at the end of the day, this new, this new core, new group that comes in, they're going to have the full support of this fan base because right now this, this, Team is used to winning, you know. That's the culture here, and that's what the fans are used to here over the last, even go back four years now. Um, so what they're gonna, there's gonna be expectations. I wouldn't say there's gonna be pressure. I think our fan base is pretty fair when it comes to that, but there's definitely gonna be expectations uh, from the fans and and from the coaches and and management to to win. And so hopefully our our players respond well to that. And it's just a it's a good atmosphere, man. I love the Dow. I love the Dow and it's rocking. It's one of my favorite buildings in the league.
0: We could honestly feel that from the outside looking in, in 1920, Joey. We really could. And like I said, we look at Ottawa, Oshawa in the East. We might debate that in the West. I don't think there is a debate between Popper and I about the team that felt it the most, depending on how this season goes. And as the new VP of uh, communications and broadcast there in Saginaw, It's free advice. So, Mr. VP, you can take it however you want. But if you need to build a marketing campaign around somebody, might we suggest a kid by the name of T-Bone Cod, who's going to be our feature interview coming up? I don't know that they get any better than this in terms of forget just the name, but the personality in this league, in this young man.
1: Yeah, he is a big personality. I mean, he came in and. Yeah, I guess if you, if you want to be, if you want to go by T-bone, you're going to have to, you know, back it up. And he, uh, he is, he's a great kid. He's a multi-sport athlete. He's a high school golf champion uh, with Brighton High School this past year. Um, And, you know, it's unfortunate you didn't hear his name called at the NHL draft. I, I think, you know, in the 1920 season, he was just starting to get his feet under him. You know, Popper talked about those rookies that need a couple months to to get going. Uh, I think T-Bone was that guy in the 1920 season, and toward the end of the year, he really started to feel it. And then, unfortunately, COVID hits, and then we don't play. Um, but he, you know, he's going to Detroit Red Wings camp. I really hope you know he he shows out well there. He was, from what I hear, he was great at that Erie tournament. He was fantastic. And I know he was at the Erie tournament. Then he left the tournament to go win his uh, high school golf championship in Michigan, and then drove back to Erie and played in the last, it just goes to show you, like there's not too many kids out there that would do that. He's just a special kid and, and a special personality. And I, I don't know. He's, he like grew up around the Red Wings. He grew up in that environment. I think he's going to be, Uh, He is a pro. He's definitely a pro. And I I hope there's someone out there that gives him that opportunity because he I I think he's really going to be him and Josh Bloom on the offensive side of the puck are going to be the X factors this year for Saginaw, in my opinion. So it's 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 a big year for those two guys.
2: Well, here in the feature interview, he did say he wants to be the first National Hockey League player that is on the PGA Tour. So glad to see things are (laughs) trajectorying towards the right direction for him. Um, And may I suggest, again, we have suggestions on this podcast, Mike and I always, may I suggest, you guys have a really good media meal based in Saginaw, the best in the league by far, and that may be why Farwell and I are looking so thick on this Zoom call. Um, But how about in the concourse, fans can get like a surf and turf, a T-bone, and then a slice of cod, and you could call it the T-bone cod. Oh, wow. Should I be writing this down? <laughs> I think so. I don't think it's worth that, but that's a good, good suggestion. Yeah. I think it's perfect. <laughs> really. Um, Joey, we, we say it every podcast, but we call this podcast OHL Stories. Um, as somebody who's been around that franchise for a while and the characters that have walked those halls, including your former color guy, Rosie, do you have a couple good <laughs> OHL stories that are safe for children's ears?
0: <laughs> or not safe uh, for children's ears. Or years. not, Let's are, do yeah, it, yeah, you know.
1: <laughs> well, I got to be careful because I do work for the team, so there's only <laughs> there's only so much I can say. Touché. Um But with that being said, you know, I've been you you mentioned Dennis Duroczy. I've been lucky over the years to to work for this organization and and meet so many great guys. Um, but I'll I guess I'll tell a story about because it's been it's been pulled on another podcast, so. I know it's okay. Uh, it's, it's about, it's about uh, Ethan Cardwell who actually has a podcast uh, that he's doing and he plays for the Barry Colts right now. And, and he's actually having a lot of success and he was just drafted by San Jose. So we're, we're all really happy for Ethan. Cause he's a great kid. And, and it just kind of goes back to this. So, uh every you know how it is with with what we do in Saginaw we always have press conferences when we announce player signings or at least we used to we used to do in-person press conferences bring the player in obviously with border issues and all that we don't really do that anymore we do more of a zoom thing but we used to do this all the time so this is Ethan Cardwell and Tristan Lennox signing with the organization and it's prior to the 18-19 season it's in the summer of 2018. And this is the first time I've ever, or, well, yeah, first time I've met either kid in person. And so Tristan comes in and Tristan's a little nervous, he sees the cameras around. Uh, this is his first little, you know, go around with, with the TV cameras and all that. So I pull Tristan aside. Hey, man, it's all right. Don't worry about it. can I get your water. Is there anything you need? You know, do you have any issues with what to say, all that stuff? He's like, yeah, you know, so we talk it out, we go through it and everything is good. He's fine get him water. He's good to go. So I go up to Ethan Cardwell and I do the same thing. Cardzy, Hey, what's up? I'm Joey with Dano. Nice to meet you. Hey, like, do you need anything? Are you good? Is there anything, you know, when we, when we do this, you know, here's what, here's what we like to cat- talk on, you know, here's some talking points. He goes, Hey, Joey, Joey, I'm, I'm a media guy. All right. I got this. And I'm like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> So here's this kid who doesn't look like he's a day over 12 years old coming in to sign with the Saginaw Spirit. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm a, huge, I'm a big media guy. I got this taken care of. So, But that's just Cardi. Like at first, I was like, whoa, like, this kid's a little cocky, I guess. And, and then as I got to know him, he actually sat, uh, sat behind me on the bus. And uh, so I got to know him pretty well that season when he got called up. And he's just, a, he's a great kid, man. He's funny. Another great golfer, by the way, Ethan Cardwell. Uh, and he's just a character of the game, man. He's going to make it too. That kid's a pro just because either way, he's, he's like Paul Bissonnette, man. Like he'll find a way to make it, whether it's on the ice or off the ice with media or whatever it may be like, cards, he's going to make it. So I guess that's a, that's a safe story I can tell about a player who, was one of my favorites here in Saginaw. And, and I hope that, uh, I hope he, I wish him all the best going forward because he's a good kid.
2: Real quick, I just want to pub the podcast. It's called Showbound, the podcast with Ethan Cardwell and his friend Michael Raskin on uh, Twitter at ShowboundPod. So make sure to give them a follow as well.
1: You guys are nicer than
2: others. I didn't mention it because I didn't know if we were doing free plugs on oh, this podcast. Anytime. Listen, for the six people that listen and, Far- and Farwell's <laughs> wife, then they can go listen to the podcast.
0: Perfect. i gotta I gotta give you credit on telling an Ethan Cardwell story Joey because i I thought maybe and so I'm gonna bring it up and I'm gonna preface this by blaming midsummer okay so I didn't do all of the preparation that I should have so that's my that's why you should listen to the showbound podcast and not this piece of trash uh, nonetheless uh you as a broadcaster had the opportunity and i Again, without having researched ahead of time, I don't remember all of the details, but I know you will. One of the best games the OHL has probably ever seen. Pretty sure it was playoffs. Either way, what, what was it? Down 8-1, comeback, win 9-8? Something along those lines, right?
1: Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a regular season game, okay. but it was the 17-18 season, and it was uh, Saginaw against Sarnia, who was number one in the Canadian Hockey League at the time. And we were down six, nothing with two minutes to go in the second period and won the game in overtime seven to six. And yeah, that was, that, that is probably top three for me. It it just, it doesn't make it the top because it's not a playoff moment. You know what I mean? Um but it's it's up there for me because it, it's something that in my career I'll probably never see again. Um, it was it was a crazy night. Um, it, you look at and it was it was seven. I'm pretty sure it was seven different goal scorers too, right? So that's that's the even like wilder part of it. It, it was it wasn't like one guy put the team on his back and willed them back into the game. Pretty sure seven different guys scored to to win that game. And at the time, Sarnia was the number one team in the CHL. Uh, And and it was, I I think they lost quite a few games in a row after that. Like it was, it was kind of a bad stretch for them. And for for Saginaw, who was, I think the youngest team or the second youngest team in the league at the time, it was a a huge rallying point for our group and probably got us a little farther than than we deserved in that season. Uh, Ended up making the playoffs got swept out by the Sioux, who was an absolute juggernaut that year. And then they somehow lost to Hamilton in the final, but it was, uh, it was, that was a, that was a wild night and I've never seen anything like it. And, and probably will never see anything like that again.
2: I already would have had my book closed up. I'm sure at that point, <laughs> just somewhat, six Cobb after two. Yeah, whatever. You, uh, you
1: should. It's funny <laughs> to hear it. Cause you go back and like, I've heard the, I've seen the video posted a couple different places. And the difference in the calls, like the difference in the goal calls from 6-1 to 6-2 to 6-4, 6-5 is when it's like, okay, 6-5 with like five minutes to go is like, let's do okay, this. yeah, like now we're in this thing. And, and then 6-6 was like absolutely wild you know, cause I'm, I'm pretty subdued all the time when I'm calling a game. Right? <laughs> of course yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> And then seven was just an absolute, like I'm going wild in the press box and uh, it was great. It was, it was, a, it was a really good experience and it was really cool for our group because like I said, it was just a, it was a younger team that year, like Aiden Pruder, like guys like that in their 16 year old year, uh, it was it was cool for those guys to all experience that together and and have that be for some of those guys their first OHL moment. That was that was pretty sweet. Not that yeah, you know what? As far as the, I, don't really, I don't really talk about that one very much because it, it it gets lost in the other playoff stuff over the years and, and things like that. But that that is a that was a pretty cool moment for sure.
0: Yeah, this it, game has a way of giving us moments like that when we least expect them.
2: If that's number three, what's number one?
1: Oh, number number one is the is the game two overtime winner by Ryan McLeod, for sure, yeah. And number two is the game tying goal by Bodie Wild. It it that that game that game in particular game two a uh, nineteen Western final. That's that's the best that's the best game that's the best atmosphere that's the best game. That's everything about that game. I, I mean it's unbelievable. It was a, it was a great hockey game. And just in, just how thick it was in the building that night, like it just that the atmosphere. They know this. The the fans know that you know this is the chance to go up two zero, going back to Guelph for for you know it. It was just a it was a great experience and and to have it it looked like you know all go, go away on a crazy play by Ivan and then to have it, you know, to, to tie the game before the end of the third and get back into it and then eventually win it. it. It was just, it was crazy that it worked out in the spirit favor given the circumstances of the game and, and, you know, the five minute major on Murray, the, the pros top, delay a game and ejection, and then to, to have it still go the spirit's way. It was, it was crazy. So, even though the end result of that series, you know, it wasn't, we didn't win the series. That's still the the number one game for me, for sure.
0: Those are some missed the cartwheels. Yeah, that's right. Missed (laughs) the cartwheels. Was great for that.
1: What a character, man. That, that kid, that kid was just a treat like day to day. You can honestly say you never knew what you were going to get. from (laughs) him.
0: Joey, it's been, a ton of fun. Thanks for making time for us uh, in the summer. Can't wait to see you back at the rink and not just because we want that Jets pizza, my friend. Yeah. We just can't wait to see you again and get back to doing what we do. Give you our know best what? to Jets. I, I think that's all you guys really, I'm not sure how much.
1: Look at
2: did. my paper. Jets.
0: <laughs>
1: that's all the prep work you guys did for this. Jets pizza. And can you send me one?
0: (laughs) We don't ask for much, Joey. (laughs) Uh, Really appreciate the time, friend. Thanks for doing this, and we'll see you back at the rink in no time flat.
1: Thanks, boys. Enjoyed it.
0: And here we go. Our feature interview.
2: He's just a T-bone kind of guy. T-bone kind. So first off, I see you chipped your tooth. Did that happen recently?
3: Uh, that actually happened quite early in the season. It was during practice when one of my teammates got it. And, uh, you know, that was an early wake-up coming into this league. Uh, you know, you got to pay a price and kind of like it. So <laughs> I've had it for quite a while. I've been trying to fix it, but I just haven't gotten able, been able to get into the dentist yet.
2: I mean, it kind of works with a nickname, T-Bone. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you've answered this question a million times. Um, I read up on it, but where did it
3: come from? So uh, my dad gave it to me long, long before I was born. He said that he was going to name his first uh, son T-Bone, so I just kind of got it. So uh, he, he just he said that he was, he, I have three older sisters too, so uh, he, he wasn't going to name them T-Bone. So I was the first boy to come along, and I, I got chosen. So now it's just stuck ever since.
2: There's a great story I read about your first day in kindergarten. Your mom said you shouldn't introduce yourself as T-Bone, but yeah. you decided to. What was that like?
3: Well, I mean, it was just kind of, that was just me. That's just how I felt, and, uh, you know, I was really little back then, and I just, that's all I knew. I knew my name was T-Bone, and I just said it. And, you know, my, my mom was really questionable, like, with the name. That's why I kinda, they kind of settled on Davis. But uh, <laughs> So I just, I just kind of went with it, and here I am.
2: I was doing, obviously, again, some reading, and you might be the most interesting player in this league. Um, you also are quite the golf player. Yeah. How's your golf game?
3: I'm not I'm not too bad. I mean, I try to I try to keep up with a couple other of my players on this team. Ethan Cardwell is a really good golfer and you know, I just when I'm playing hockey, I love hockey. When I'm playing golf, I love golf. So they just both I think they both really contribute to each other.
2: When you were younger, you said you wanted to be the another uh, two-sport athlete. Is there still aspirations to get out on the links professionally?
3: Yes, I mean, I want to be the first NHL hockey player to play in a PGA Tour event. Like, uh, there's a couple athletes around the world, like Steph Curry. He's played in a Web.com event. There's Tony Romo. He's gone uh, sponsors exemptions into uh, PGA Tour events, and, you know, that's just kind of my goal. I think that would be really neat. So that's what I'm just going to try to do every day is just try to get that.
2: Are there any uh, similarities between the two sports at a high level that you kind of if you're, when you're playing hockey you think oh I could use that in golf or vice yeah. versa?
3: So uh, you know, golf mentally really is a grind. I mean, it's you're out there. Sometimes you're walking 36 in 90 90 degree heat. You're just it's just a complete grind, and it's just you and the ball. You know, you just got to be dialed in for every single shot, and if you don't, it could really cost you. And I think that really helps with hockey just mentally on the aspect, just being dialed and c- coming in, and then. Um, hockey really helps with golf with my power, just like with the ball. And um, uh, around the like around the greens, hockey helps as well because you gotta have good hands and stuff. So hockey really helps both sports, and golf is, contributes to hockey as well. Your dad played golf a bit. How did you get into the game? I. Uh... Uh, for hockey or golf? Golf. Okay. Uh, he. We'll get to hockey in yeah, a second. Yeah. He got. <laughs> he was going on a trip. He actually goes on trips with a lot of the NHL GMs, like Ken Holland, and he uh, he was going to Ireland, and I wanted to go with him, and I was about four, or five years old, and I started. Gra- I grabbed one of his clubs, and I started hitting, like just swinging in the in the yard, and my dad actually saw. I actually kind of had some form and I don't know where it came from and he's told my mom to take him to the range every day while I'm gone and I'm going to come golf with him when I get back so he came back about a week and a half later and I was hitting golf balls with him and I just took off ever since
2: so how did you end up here in the OHL how did you decide to play hockey
3: well uh, actually going back to Ken Holland again uh, I was we were at a hockey game and it was Thanksgiving I think I was I was I came into the game a little bit later I was seven Seven and a half, maybe, and uh, it was Thanksgiving, and um, there was—we're we really close with the Hollands, and his two daughters were downstairs, and we came to like the wives' room after uh, after the game, and uh, Johann Franz and fiance and Henrik Zetter's wife uh, came up to me, and they and they started stroking my hair. <laughs> And uh, they, this is actually a true story. Like, no. I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> they started stroking my hair and they, in their Swedish accents. They started saying, like, oh, T-Bone, you have, the, you have the most beautiful hockey hair. Do you play hockey? And I didn't play hockey. I was so mad that I didn't play hockey and I couldn't say it to them. And I, I just shook my head no. And they said, oh, you should play hockey. And then they found out my name was T-Bone. And they said, like, oh, hockey hair, hockey name, you must play hockey. So the next day I woke up and I came to my parents and I said, I want to play hockey. So that's how I'm here.
2: (laughs) So if they're listening to this, look at you now, eh? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You mentioned some names there in Ken Hall and your father and Ken's relationship. How has that um, affected your hockey? What kind of wisdom do you take from a guy like Ken? And obviously I read that you you, you, uh, have talked to Mike Babcock in the past as well.
3: Yeah, so just growing up around that culture of the Red Wings and just being around the locker room and watching them in morning skates, we got to do, we were privileged enough to do so. And uh, just like kind of just seeing their habits and just seeing that they're doing that and they're getting paid, it just made me love the game so much and want to do that so badly. And, you know, I I obviously, like you said, I got input from really, really wise hockey minds in this world. And uh, Mike Babcock and Ken Holland, they really just... They, they kind of put a love into the game for me. They like, just make me want to do it, and here I am now.
2: How important was it for you to, you made the decision to come to the OHL. How important was it that it was Saginaw that got your rights?
3: I mean, I've, we're obviously not too far away home. We're just about an hour away. And uh, we've, I've, my father actually knows, knew that one of the owners, uh, Craig Goslin, also with Ken Holland and that kind of friend group, they golf together, and uh, I, I've been coming down for visits uh, since uh, for the last couple of years. And you know, we just kind of made the decision that if it was going to be anywhere, it was going to be here. It's just this is just such a first-class organization from the management to the coaching staff to even the team. So it was just such an easy, uh, easy choice, and I think it's really gonna, it's really gonna work out. And I love it so far. Yeah,
2: how have you found the transition?
3: I, I love it. I love the OHL. I love the OHL game games like uh, I love the routine that you get to build you know coming going to school you know coming right from the rink and then like going right from school to the rink like I just love the routine that I'm building and I'm it's just like I can't wait for the season to keep going on
2: Dave Drinkle said that during training camp It was uh, glaring to him that there were times during drills where Cole Perfetti would be on one end and you would jump to the front of the line to go against him. Was that something you consciously did?
3: Yeah, I mean, I still do that now. Like, uh, I try to jump in line with with just all, like, the tough players to go against. I mean, but uh, going up against Cole Perfetti, who's actually in prospects camp, you know, you you don't really get to do that every day. So I really tried to do that, and it was just a blast. And just trying to shut down players that good, it's really going to translate into your game. So, like, it's just something that i didn't want to pass up on and it was just a blast
2: you mentioned you have three older sisters i know your oldest one's very close to you why
3: she's actually a very low-functioning autistic and uh she actually just two weeks ago she moved out of her house into like kind of a group home so uh she's been really close to our family and uh she just motivates me just to go out there and play for her because she uh you know she's not as fortunate as all of us we don't get she doesn't get to do what we get to do so I just try to go out there and, and uh, play and do and just live my life through her, you know, because uh, she's one of our angels into this world, and I just I live through her, and I love her so much.
2: I love it. Lastly, what's the game plan here against Kitchener?
3: You know, this is obviously a really good team. We're just going to stick to our structure and try to play our game, and I think that if all of our boys, I think if our team really um, really wins our battles and just sticks to our tr- structure, we can get come out here with a win. T-Bone, thank you. Thank you
2: hi i'm logan anderson host of the say the damn score podcast on my show i deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by you guessed it talking to sportscasters